when um, idea meets reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I mentioned to you that we did a lot of um, planning work, mm -hmm. like the business plan was written. We, were, we had this picture in the head that this is how it is going to work. And for us, it was working perfectly well. It was all running planned out, mm -hmm. but it was agriculture. We were dealing with living things. Yep. So for us, even our first projects didn't even have like factored in mortality in maybe the fish or the chickens that they would die. For us, we were saying once we bring 1,000 chickens, we are going to sell 1,000 chickens. After four months, is that real? And yep. the defined moment was that point when we realized that we, we had our first uh, batch of chickens mm -hmm. and we lost a number. Then we said, hmm, we are we being realistic mm -hmm. because we are dealing with living things. And first of all, we got very depressed. Yep. How can this happen? How are we going to meet that target? We are supposed to be at this level of revenue by now. And we're supposed to be doing this, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't come out like that. Definitely. Then we started being realistic about our plans and even the stress was less. Mm -hmm. And when we are writing, what are the possible risks and what are the mitigating uh, measures that you're going to take? That became real. And yeah. that was a defining moment because we were no longer dreamers. Mm -hmm. Now we had become... So hi everyone, uh, this is Jacob uh, Fortung. I'm the host of Doers Within Us. And this is the continuation of our collaboration with the Builders of Africa's Futures um, uh, Fellows uh, through the African Diaspora Network. And I'm here with uh, Junza um, Mwangani, and she actually um, um, works at Catholic Sisters, if I got that right. And uh, today we're gonna be hearing about her personal story a little bit about Catholic Sisters and just to get um, an idea of you know, how um, some challenges that she might have encountered and advice to entrepreneurs um, and you know, the best advice she's ever received. So we're going to get some inspiration, um, hopefully, because you know she has accomplished so much. So uh, I want to thank you so much, uh, Junza, for being here. And please, um, if we can just begin, can you just tell us um, a little bit about yourself. Okay, like, uh, hi, viewers. Like Jacob mentioned, uh, my name is uh, Sister Jonza Christabel Mwangani. I'm a religious sister of the Holy Spirit based in the southern province of Zambia in Africa and in, in the Diocese of Monze. So I grew up there. I was born in a family of 11, and that one had um, six um, girls and, and, and five guys. So that's where I come from. Yeah. Thank so you. Uh, I'll, I'll mention to you that um, I, I was born of my father used to be a police officer and my mother was a, a housewife. So being that, he moved from in different places that he was assigned to work within the country until when he finally retired, I was still quite young. That's when he settled on his own family land 
and he engaged himself into some entrepreneurship and farming as well. So I went to a primary school that was nearer to our village. And for high school, I went to a Catholic school, um, St. Joseph's, and that's where I completed my high school and joined Sisterhood later on. So I joined Sisterhood and did my training for, for four years, after which I was assigned to work. I worked first in a parish, and that one I was just doing parish work, but then I expressed interest in doing some medical course. So I was asked to shift and do some experience in the hospital just for me to know whether I really wanted that or something else. But at that time, um, the institute, my congregation needed an administrator. So they asked me not to do a medical course, but to do something in administration. So I studied uh, management studies at college and I was assigned to work in a hospital. So I started off as a human resource officer at uh, Monza Mission Hospital, but then there was more that was required. So I was sent back to, to school. I went to a university and studied business administration. So I have a bachelor of business administration and I came back and uh, continued working. So I work in a hospital as senior hospital administrator, but then I have this other qualification that has a lot more skills that beg to be used. So that's briefly what I've been. Uh, I have already mentioned to you that I grew up in a big family and my father was um, both a businessman, I think that's what we called them at that time, both a businessman and a farmer. So. I grew on the part of the country, our country, where actually farming is more inherent to us than it is something linked. So people come out naturally, like they are farmers, but the weakness has been that uh, sometimes we, we give our, our produce as gifts, we just exchange it as gifts. It's, it hasn't really been for economic reasons for everyone. Mostly it's just been for food security and a bit of um, maybe when it's this extra, somebody wants to sell. It is now that we are thinking to what extent can I gain from what I'm producing? So I've, I was raised like that. I don't fear the soil and I don't fear livestock because it's something that I grew up with. Amazing, amazing. And so will you say your, your parents or your dad, your dad, did your dad, um, was it more like an inspiration to you or maybe your dad exposed you to this, you know, um, maybe business? Did that, is that, is that fair to say? Yes, but the emphasis for him at that time for my parents was education. And for them, education meant that a child has to go to school, go to college, work in an office. But then the reality on the ground is that it's not everyone who goes to school who find an office somewhere to operate from because actually white collar jobs are already saturated. People already hold them. So everyone else has to fend for themselves to find a living. So that was their emphasis. But then um, when I looked at the reality, I said, no, well, this is something that they would want me to do 
there's something extra that I would want to, to learn and to venture into. And then um, I did mention that um, the kind of farming that I grew up with was where you are just growing crops and they are rain fed. You depend on the weather completely, the weather patterns. If it doesn't rain that year, we are done. If, it's, it, if it floods that year, our crops are gone. And it means that the following year will be a year of starvation. There'll be hunger all around. The food security will be highly compromised if there'll be anything. And then we'd keep um, chickens, cattle, but chickens were just in small, small numbers and very small flocks. The animals for prestige mostly and for use in terms of transport, cultivation and so on. But we never thought of it in an entrepreneurial way, like what's the value of what I have? How much can I expand growth so that I, I, I sustain myself in case the crops don't grow? Will the chicken survive so that I can sell? And that was never really there. And when I grew up, that's when I said, no, there's a lot of potential that can be that can be tapped in that place. So I went into there. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, that's really amazing. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, will you say, uh, so now just uh, transition. So can you just please tell us how you got into Catholic Sisters? Um, what was the, um, the, early, the early stages of that? Uh, how was that at the very beginning? Uh, if I'm asked, okay. how did you get that started? Um, yes. And what were some of the early challenges that you faced in the beginning? So this started off <laughs> when I was really a toddler. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> what, in a place where you, we used to say, I, I used to live in a place called, a town called Ndola within Zambia. So the church where we used to go in the Cathedral of Christ the King in Ndola, they used to put the kids in the gallery up there on top. And I didn't like it because it was like mass is going on below where everyone else is. And we are kept in the gallery. I didn't feel I was participating. I was really young. But now in the eyes of this little child, whoever was seated there looked like a nun. They were in bells. So I, I concluded, if I have to sit there, maybe then I have to be a nun. Then I said, okay, I'll be a nun. So that I sit right there where they are doing the mass and all. Okay, we moved. <laughs> My father was transferred to a different place, to a yeah. different town in the Western province in Calavo. So there, they weren't sisters at all. I didn't meet any. Mm-hmm. And then he moved to another place now to his hometown, the, his home village after he retired. There, I would meet the sisters, but at a distance. But then I was very clear in my head that I would want to become a nun. But what I used to get were just stories. Okay, someone was almost being attacked, but then because they were dressed in white, the thugs uh, shared among themselves and said, no, don't attack this one, it's a sister. So I said, oh, so if you become a sister, thugs won't attack you. (laughs) Those were the beginnings. Very, very funny, but I followed it. So when I went to high school, I was I was convinced this is what I still want to become. And my father asked me, do you really want to become my sister? I said, yes. But he didn't comment. He didn't say yes or no. He didn't say I permit you or what. He was just neutral. I didn't even know what he thought about it. 
<laughs> my mother said, if that's what you want, go right ahead. Yeah. So I knew I had my, my mother's support, but my father, I wasn't really sure. <laughs> so when I went to, to high school, uh, this particular day there was an announcement that if you want to join the Sisters of the Holy Spirit, please come and meet me and register yourself with me at such, such a place and time. Mm-hmm. I was very excited. I went right there. There were two congregations at that time. My congregation is a local congregation of verses and rights, but there was an international congregation at that same school. They were both teaching in the school. Apparently, I wasn't really drawn to, to the international congregation. I was okay with them, but I wasn't drawn to joining them. So I joined the local congregation. I started aspiring with them for the whole five years that I was in high school. So I would test the waters with my father. Like when we have a, a holiday seminar, I would ask for extra transport money because I needed to go to another place. So when he sends, I would say, oh, so he has allowed me to attend this meeting. That was the only measure I had for whether he, he wanted me to join or not. And when I finally completed school, I made my application. And then while I was still waiting for results and for a response from the sisters, I went to live with my older sister in a different province altogether. And then the results came out and my acceptance came and dad received it and sent it to where I was. And he didn't tell Junza to come back home because she needs to go to the convent. They've accepted her. So I was very happy. I immediately left, but I had done very well in school. So my older brother insisted I need to go to university before I joined the sisters. Mm -hmm. But I knew that if I did this, he would not allow me. He would change his mind on me later on. Then I said, no, 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 no. Let me go for sisterhood first. (laughs) Then I I would go. So the first challenge was this tug of war. Not every family member was agreeable with the idea, but I was very convinced that that's what I wanted. As soon as my parents said, go, I was okay. I didn't mind anybody else wanting or not wanting. (laughs) So that's how I I left home and and joined Sisterhood. And um, it it was a different life altogether. Mm. They would... They're trying to shape the the person and ask you to meet the expectations and all that. Yes. But I was okay with it. I was quite naughty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But they had to find a way of forming me and and asking me to be a religious at the end of the day. And I've never regretted. I think I'm I'm happy that I I I joined. Yes. Yes. I mentioned to you that uh, at first I was asked to, I had requested that I wanted to do something medical yes. as, as, as a career. Yeah. But then uh, the system was looking for an administrator to run the hospital. Mm-hmm. So um, I was, I, I wasn't sure I could do it. I was still very young. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I was 25 at that time. Then they were saying, they were asking me to run a hospital. I said, no, try somebody else. Let me, let me do other things. But then they insisted, no, you're going to learn and all that. Yep. So I was taken to college. I was taken to university for the same. I'm prepared for this particular mission. 
And now with hindsight, I would say to myself, I'm grateful that they asked me to be an administrator, not to be on the clinical area, because I work in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I know what goes on in the clinical area. And I know what goes on where I'm working. I said, okay, that was very good inspiration by the sisters. I'm okay with it, <laughs> even if that was a choice. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so uh, as you work with them, uh, at what point did you, uh, I mean, you're considered as a social entrepreneur. Um, mm -hmm. What were some of the things you did once you got this job that, um, um, you know, kind of help improve the system or help with the administrative work? Um, is there anything that you, you want to share with the, the audience, just some of the work you're doing so far or right now? Uh, uh, in your in your current in your current role yeah so i noticed that i had i had already done business administration yes but um i'm running a hospital but i knew that there was a good portion that was being underutilized in what i was doing yes. so the superior general at the time that we started our social enterprise just mentioned to me and said johnson there's something that we are beginning to work out that uh, we start running social enterprises instead of running our ministries like charities the way we've done in the past. I said, what did you say? Is, is, is that what we really want to go into? Then I said, I want to volunteer to work on that team that is going to be assigned to start a social enterprise. And I said, ah, sure, right, go, go right ahead. So the first workshop was called for, and we went to Kenya, we were in Nairobi, and they were introducing this concept to us. And they kept saying to us, it was Miller Center for Santa Clara University. Um, so they kept saying to us, we use business strategies to serve the poor and serve uh, and replenish Mother A. We use business strategies and I was happy. Okay, business strategies, that's my area. To serve the poor, yes, that's what I do as a religious and preserve mother, mother Earth. Yes, I would still want to do that because it's just in line of what Francis is teaching, is teaching us about Laudato. I went through that workshop, want to start a social enterprise. We said we want to go into eco-friendly agriculture. It's going to be integrated so that we have animals, we have uh, fruit trees, we have a garden and all those things. Then we are going to run it in such a way that it is um, all interdependent and everything is taking care of each other. Yes. Now, we were going to run it in the context of a school. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where it all comes. We said, our education system is teaching young people that to be educated is when you can wear a necktie, sit in an office and all that. That's when you'll be defined as somebody who is educated. But is it everyone who is cut out for that kind of work? And is it every child who would go through academics up to college and everything? Is it every child who is interested in that sophisticated kind of work? What are we going to do with those who are blessed with their hands? What are we going to do with those who can't make it through education? Do we, uh, do we have skills to give to them? How are we going to bury all this that they were learning at home, which could be improved to make it better? So that's how we said our social enterprise is going to run in the school curriculum to integrate what the, the pupils are uh, learning academically, they, sh they should be an area where it will be practical. And we ask them to replicate it in their own communities 
Exactly. So that already they begin to discover what they want. Yep. They begin to transform their communities in small ways. Yep. If a pupil who is at our school plants four fruit trees, yep. that already makes a difference in their own yard. Yes. If they say at school I've been looking after chickens, I want to start with 10. I'll be feeding them every morning before I dash to school or when I knock off from school. They are already beginning to get that. And if they drop out of school, they would say, I learned how to look after pigs. I learned how to look after fish. I learned how to look after chickens. So I want to start my own business. And then to ourselves, we know that we are saving the poor. So even if we bring everyone, it's not everyone who will be able to pay their school fees as expected. As such, this same um, enterprise that we are going to be doing, their, their um, production unit, whatever is sold from there, we'll keep some of the proceeds and open a bursary scheme for those that cannot afford school fees. Instead of asking them, no, no, you are vulnerable, we'll look for a donor for you. We want to teach them that what you are growing here can be sold and raise funds that can pay your school fees. Already changing the mentality of a young growing up person that I don't have to be dependent. I can actually make the money exactly. from whatever resources are available to myself. So what we have done is we have set up a production unit that has, um, that has a piggery, it has a poultry, it has some fish ponds, um, a vegetable garden, and an orchard. So we have set it in such a way that the waste that comes from the piggery is used to feed the fish. And then all the water that we drain from the fish pond is first trapped in like a septic tank. And then we drain it into the garden when we need to water. So there's nothing like water is just being wasted. So even when we are washing the pigs and we are washing the piggery and all, the water is not just being wasted. But the way that water is already fertilized because it has all the manure. Exactly. So it goes into the garden and waters whatever we are growing. So everything is cyclic like that and it's circulating. So we get some of the vegetables and the greens to feed the pigs and the chickens just like that to keep them, them growing. So that enterprise is something that I'm very passionate about. And for, for lighting, we are using solar. We are using solar system. Even to pump water, we have a, a solar pump. Because the sun is the gift that we have in Africa. It exactly. just installs normal bills and it runs like that. Exactly. So as I'm, as I'm talking, the, 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 we have chickens now and we have the pigs. Mm-hmm. And it's cold season, you can see from the way I'm dressed. So mm-hmm. the, the piglets are cold and the chickens will be cold. We need brooders for both. Mm-hmm. So we realized that, in fact, we are generating enough waste from the pigs so we are going to install a biodigester so that yep. we use biogas to heat up the piggery and the poultry house. Yep. The whole concept is working perfectly well. So whatever we are imagining, we are trying to put in place, but it's not easy because we have to look for these funds. The project, uh, the enterprise is not yet firm enough to generate its own funds. We are still at investment stage where everything else is still getting a lot of money, but not bringing out, bring, paying back a lot. Of, we can't plow back much into the project, mm-hmm. but our projections are very hopeful. That's amazing. They are very hopeful. 
Yeah. That's incredible. You have built an integrated system, right? There is the learning, then it goes back into, you know, the, the animals that you have, the ways that those animals go back into the, the land or, you know, help, you know, and you can say though there's a biodiversity element to it where they can, you can generate energy. Then you have yes. the solar panels that make sure that we serve the planet to or we'll have something that is much more sustainable. So, I mean, I don't want to repeat what you said, but you said it very eloquently. Uh, the system is well put together. And that is, that is incredible. That's incredible. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like you work with other people, right? Who are the people that are partners or uh, because it sounds like a big project, right? There's someone that has to help build the solar panels, someone that has to help with the yeah. curriculum. Uh, who are the people that yeah. work with that help you make sure that this school um, or these projects get, uh, get um, become real? Right? Yes. Are there any people that you love to talk about or share their stories on how they have helped you to, to make this? As you said, um, it's, the projections are looking really good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we we have been working with um, the Association of Consecrated Women for East and um, Central African countries, Akweka. We have been working with the Miller Center and now with Strathmore University. The Miller Center and Strathmore University have been teaching us to purify and uh, clarify our business, just to sharpen our business skills. Like don't run a charity anymore. You are running an enterprise, it's a social enterprise. So you need to run it like a business so that it's no longer dependent, at least when it's fully established. Um, And with that, we've been trained to be investment ready. So we are now able to to approach different um, organizations looking for funding, especially now that we are still investing. But in the next three, four years, I think the the enterprise should be very self-sustainable. So we've worked with the Hilton Foundation. Um, We have applied and they've given us a grant before. There's an organization called SEED. It (laughs) is based in Germany. So for them, it's about um, climate adaptation. Mm. So last year, our enterprise won an award just from what I was explaining to you uh, mm. for climate adaptation. Wow. So they also ran us through an accelerator program for, for, for runners up. And it was very, very, very informative. We really got good skills from that. It yep. came with... Um, with a 1,500 euro, we have not yet, it has not yet been given to us, but at least we know that we won that award and we have applied for it. We're just waiting for a disbursement. So where we are heading to, we know that what has um, really, what is slowing us down is that we haven't reached the capacity of production that we need, Mm. because now we are still producing and selling less than the potential of the of the whole enterprise. So we want to expand production so that we are able to increase sales and revenue. That way we are going to be able to sustain the whole enterprise. So those are the partners who have worked with us. And as we are working, we are clarifying more. Are these projections realistic? Can we manage this? What are the potentials? What has not been tapped? And all those areas. Yeah, that's incredible. 
Um, and I think, you know, once you start building and things are showing, the results coming out, this output, you know, more people will come into, uh, you know, because the visibility helps to write. Once you get the work out there and people are seeing the work and, you know, people will support you more. And so I, I think the partnerships and the investments are going to come more and more as you guys think about. So, uh, you know, just follow up question. So what's the, you've already talked a little bit about it, right? You guys know reach your maximum potential. Um, in addition, what are some of the other plans you guys have for the next two, three, five years? Um, I know you mentioned like, you know, you want to improve the output. Uh, are there other things that you're thinking about? Um, Oh. Yes, a apart from just increasing the output for the enterprise itself, mm -hmm. remember that we have a responsibility to develop the community in which we are saving. Exactly. So exactly. We, we are planning, there are those that young people, the youth in that same community who already dropped out of school, mm -hmm. some are on the street, others are struggling, they have young families that are at risk of just poor uh, food security and just economically not um, managing. Yeah. So we'll be training those young people in that integrated farming. Yeah. So, so that first of all, we, we improve their economic activities yeah. and then they get these activities in their own communities. They may not have the whole plan like we have it, yeah. but one might decide, in my home, it's, it's possible to keep chickens. So sisters help me to start this. Exactly. Then we start with them. We train them to do all that. And our place is going to be a demonstration site. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we have planned to train them in cohorts of 15. Mm -hmm. And every six months, we train 15 and graduate. And we enroll another 15, graduate them. But they'll keep coming to yep. our place as a demonstration site to learn more, to clarify the, the ideas and all that. Mm -hmm. And then we've also opened it up to other farmers, established farmers, so that they realize instead of me uh, having to pay for electricity or buy diesel, I can buy solar panels and I install it like that. Mm -hmm. I can reconnect and produce more from what I have just to give more information so that it's really a learning site for every age group. Mm -hmm, definitely. That is, that is good. And I think the fact that you put them in cohorts makes the uh, attention uh, very, you know, the one-on-one -on -one much more impactful, uh, you know. So, so to that effect, we have already worked on the curriculum, like oh. what we are going to be teaching. Mm -hmm. So the, the curriculum is ready, especially for, for livestock keeping. Yeah. All that has already been prepared. We are just waiting to um, the youth to start enrolling as soon as possible. So yeah. that we working with them. So, and we have engaged the, the local leadership, like yeah. the traditional leaders, the church leaders, so that we work together to identify those who are most needy and the community should know to support them. Who is going to support them into this venture? It's something that they have not done before. So Definitely. that's what we have decided yeah, is going to be our approach. Definitely. Definitely. Um, sounds very exciting. Sounds very exciting. And I think there's a lot that, you know, um, there's a lot. And that then, yeah, we are also not going to be working alone. 
for example, there are some people that might say, sisters, I want to install solar, but how do I get to that? So we are also working with certain companies. For example, there'll be those ones that are solar producing uh, companies that produce solar equipment. Yep. We are ready to work like a distributor for them because we are in the community and we know where, where the customers are and the needs of the community, but they cannot reach them. So we are going to work like that. There's another organization that deals with um, in, in, in bioenergy, so in clean energy. Yep. For example, when they come to store the biodigester for us, we open it up to the other farmers to come and see because they have cattle, they have pigs, so they can do that for their household as well. So we bring them and connect them to that market, to such suppliers so that we can work. In the so we are, we are networking with the other entrepreneurs within our system. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, this is a, a very broad way of thinking, but also it's very methodological. There's a lot of thinking, you know, uh, from stages, which is, I think is, is critical for massive growth and can help build a system that is critical for long-term sustainability. I really like, I really like that. Great work to you and your your, your colleagues. Um, it's just amazing. Uh, just a few more questions because now we know exactly what you're doing, um, which is just amazing. Uh, one thing I would love to ask, and forgive me, this was not in the original questions uh, that we talked about, but um, for anybody that knows you best, what would they say... Um, what would they say, uh, or how would they describe you or your business? Or how would they describe you or someone? <laughs> Me or our enterprise? No, you first, you first. Okay. Somebody that knows me best would uh, describe me as somebody who is passionate, okay. very focused, <laughs> passionate, <laughs> very focused, uh, and um, like, once I plan on something, I'm very clear in the head. Clarity of thinking is something that I'm, and I don't just think clearly, but I also write. So when I plan something, it will be very clear, step by step, and very practical as well. I don't plan things and leave them hanging. I want to see something on the ground. I don't want to see it on paper, but you can't find it on the ground. Yes. So, and I... I keep a smile at all times. I don't know how, even when things are hard. <laughs> you know what? Whoever the person is, I believe, I believe that just you know, just talking, talking to you and seeing how clearly you understand, you understand, not just impact, but how to make impact. You know, um, uh, relatable, transmissible, effective on the ground, uh, based on the way you discussed the project. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's a passion to it. There is practicality to it. And you smile. You, you do smile a lot. So, um, which, which, which makes, um, uh, uh, which I think uh, that it's just amazing. Uh, and it's good for us to smile. Um, so, um, one other thing that I wanted to just know um, personally too was uh, what was a defining moment for you? can be a biggest success or failure throughout this process. What was that defining moment that you realized that um, that defined your entrepreneurial journey? It could be a biggest success or biggest failure. Choose either yeah. one. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about both. 
Okay. <laughs> it was that point when um, idea meets reality. Because mm -hmm. I mentioned to you that we did a lot of um, planning work, mm -hmm. like the business plan was written. We were we had this picture in the head that this is how it is going to work, and for us it was working perfectly well. It was all running planned out, mm -hmm. but it was agriculture. We were dealing with living things, yep. so for us even our first projects didn't even have like factored in mortality in maybe the fish or the chickens that they would die. For us, we we're saying once we bring 1,000 chickens, we are going to sell 1,000 chickens. After four months, is that real? And yes. the defined moment was that point when we realized that we, we had our first uh, batch of chickens mm -hmm. and we lost a number. Then we said, hmm, we are we being realistic? Mm -hmm. Because we are dealing with living things. And first of all, we got very depressed. Yeah. How can this happen? How are we going to meet that target? We are supposed to be at this level of revenue by now. And we're supposed to be doing this, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't come out like that. Definitely. Then we started being realistic about our plans and even the stress was less. Mm -hmm. And when we are writing, what are the possible risks and what are the mitigating uh, measures that you're going to take? That became real. And yeah. that was a defining moment because we were no longer dreamers. Mm -hmm. Now we had become, because we were no longer dreamers. Now we had become entrepreneurs who knew the reality of what can work and what wouldn't work. But I know that we say to ourselves, let's celebrate the small milestones. Mm -hmm. So at every success, when we went to see our first chickens, at that time we were working on the fish ponds and the first time we opened the water to gush into the fish ponds just to fill up the fish ponds, we cooked a meal right at the site. It was like a picnic site. We had the meal there and we got, we bought from ourselves the chickens that we are rearing. We said we are going to buy chickens for us. We got the vegetables and everything from there and had a party in that place. So we said, this is what it should be. Other times we'll come here crying, but certain times we'll celebrate. And that was just the best. That, yeah. sounds, that sounds like a big moment. Sounds like a big moment. <laughs> It does sound like no. Thanks so much for sharing, and I, uh, and, uh, you know, this was not included in our initial review of the questions, but I think it's something that is great for people to know because, you know, entrepreneurship is hard, and as you said, small wins are good to celebrate, uh, but also there's always some point in uh, our journey that we realize that this is something that we should fight for, we should believe in, and I think sometimes it's worth sharing. So, uh, thank you so much for for sharing that. It sounds like from what we have been talking about, it sounds like you have, you are an entrepreneur, a real entrepreneur. Uh, when I mean real, it means that you, are, you, your hand, you get your hands dirty, you get into the work and you build, you, you create stuff. So to all the other, um, and I think one of the, the reasons for this podcast is to share your story, but also to help inspire other people. So um, for your work, what would you suggest uh, for people out there who want to become entrepreneurs? Um, do you have any advice for them uh, on just their thinking or how they should be approaching uh, entrepreneurship? Yes, uh, like you have mentioned, to be an entrepreneur, you don't have to fear debt. You have to get your hands dirty from time to time. 
because uh, you have to be hands-on. Yes. Don't expect another person to, to, to do it for you. Mm -hmm. So first of all, sit and plan. Study your environment, your own locality. Don't, don't get something that is working well elsewhere. It might not be the best for where you are. So as an entrepreneur, first study where you want to place your business exactly. and find the opportunity there. Don't, if there's no opportunity, don't try out until you, you see the opportunity that is there. Then be ready to go into it yourself first. Be ready to get into it yourself. I work with, remember I've told you that I work in a hospital and I'll be in an office where I'm seated now. But when my workmates look at our Facebook page, they see me with pigs, with a piglet in my hand, and they say, is that the same person we meet in the office? And, mm -hmm. and she'll be talking about all these concepts. They, they'll just say, mm -hmm. on Facebook, she's the same, but in the office. And uh, yeah, we are seeing the same person. So be passionate about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Then as an entrepreneur, don't work alone. Mm -hmm. It's always better to network. Mm -hmm. It makes life easy you get more skills, even if your skill set is not that wide, but other people will bring in their skills. Yep. So network with other like-minded entrepreneurs and those who do not, uh, who have what you do not have. Mm -hmm. Remember I was telling you about solar, about clean energy, uh, biogas here and there. We don't do that ourselves, but other entrepreneurs are going to do it for us. Yep. So don't fear to interact with other people. Let your enterprise become your language, like it's your second name. For yes. me, I'm almost like Junza EFI Mwangani because I always talk about what we are doing at the EFI. And people would be wondering, I thought she was a hospital administrator. How come she's talking about this other thing? I said, that's another side of me. So yeah. get passionate about what you're doing. Talk about it. Interact with other entrepreneurs. And don't fear to fail. Yes. You fail and re-strategize. You fail, review, and re-strategize. Don't stay lying there. Things have not worked out. There's always an alternative. Exactly, exactly. No, those are powerful. I like the, the make all those things really resonate with me. Um, I really like the thing of doing, going in first. I think people always expect people to just come in without putting any effort, you know, and planning beforehand. I think that's very powerful networking is everything you said it's very powerful very very powerful um thank you so much i think the listeners will appreciate a lot a lot of that um, that's high quality information people pay five thousand dollars to listen to what you just said <laughs> <It's big. laughs> um so the last two questions what is the best advice you've ever received last but one Mm. or the worst the advice <laughs> I don't know okay the best advice that I have received is um, somebody has told me um, bring in your, into the enterprise into entrepreneurship bring in yourself and your gifts so tap into the gifts that are lying within you the opportunity first is within yourself. That's why I said it's good to be passionate and go in yourself. So you're going there with your tools and the tools are inside yourself. So bring in the gifts that are within yourself and it to be contagious. Everyone else will begin to like what you're doing and participate into it. 
So I think that was the best because when I talk about it, yeah, sister, I think we can help. This mm-hmm. is the way to go ahead. Already it's working before you Exactly. Um, what do you want? So the last question is, I think, um, how do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to think about you? You know, you'll be here for a long time. I know. Because God will keep you here. <laughs> In the meantime, well, how do you want people to see their work, the vision of your work, the impact of your work, and hopefully the next generation? How do you want the next generation to, to take over the, the work of what you're doing uh, across Zambia and across Africa? What is your, any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I would want every, every upcoming young person to be able to survive in this society, whether they've gone through education the whole way or not. Mm-hmm. Because it's not only education that would make somebody survive in there. It's good. It gives us knowledge. It gives us all that we need. Yeah. But then if somebody is not cut out for that, Mm-hmm. Let the other side of them be recognized and helped to grow. Exactly. So I, I would be very happy if the society that we interact with me and this EFI is able to bring up a child that has additional skills to help them find a livelihood, yes. even without yes. having gone through college. I would be the happiest. That's all I need. Families that are not struggling because their father or mother did not go through formal, did not go through tertiary education or something like that, or even high school. Even if somebody has not gone through high school, agriculture, the soil will not refuse to be touched by them. A chicken will not refuse to be touched by them. So that's the way. Amazing, amazing. Um, Just a clarification, what's EFI? It's Emerging Farmers Initiative. Okay, so that's what our enterprise is yes. called for the leadership of the I was trying to say, yeah, I think I, that was something that was like, I'm very, um, acron- uh, abbreviations is something that I always mess up in my head. So I'm scared. Um, no, that's great, great. Um, thank you so much for yeah. sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your time, your effort. The more importantly, for the work you do on the ground, and the impact you're creating from social, like human impact, environmental impact, community impact, spiritual impact. Um, I can't thank you enough. Uh, any last minute um, statements or last minute uh, takeaways for our audience as we... <laughs> well, I would just want to mention that um, the religious sisters of the Holy Spirit are out to change the mentality and what has kept us in poverty for a long time. Some of us Africans in poverty for a long time. I I think it was more of the mentality than lack of resources. So my last word is that we are gifted with so much resource. Let us harness everything that we have and put it to good use. And we are going to survive. We are here to work for with the community, not just for the community, but to work with them. Uh, that's a very great way to end the, the series, um, the episode. Um, so everyone, is Junza here, EFI. You're going to hear so much about her. This is just the beginning. And we want to thank you for listening to our episodes and 
listen to all the, the various Africa's features uh, cohort members for this 2022. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Everyone, uh, see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.